first episode of the Fairly Interesting Podcast. I'm Jack Winders. This is my big brother, Dr. Tommy Winders, or our dad, Max Winders. And we're going to give this a shot. We don't exactly know where it's going to go or when it's going to go, but we're going we're gonna to try to tackle a few things, uh, mostly surrounding the era of uh, agriculture, which these two have a lot more experience than I do, but I can uh, chip in some thoughts and questions along the way but uh, why don't we just just uh, briefly introduce you know yourselves we can start with you Tommy yeah sure uh, Tommy Winders I am uh, trained as beef nutritionist and working in the animal um, feed sort of industry right now focusing on ruminants um, but I think Jack I can speak for both of us we have a natural interest in this stemming from our dad um, from years of this sort of these sort of discussions like we want to have from a whole world point of view and the um, overall goodness of agriculture is something we've been kind of brought up with. And so this is a pretty cool opportunity for us to take the next step and actually record something. And let's hope it's fairly interesting. At least. Yeah. How are you, Dad? Yeah. Thanks, uh, Jack and Tommy. Um, 30 years working in international agriculture, plus or minus, and and, um, seeing the you know, the inherent goodness of, of feeding people around the world, you know, from the poorest to the affluent. And, and um, what an amazing accomplishment that the farmers in the industry of the world are doing that, that's largely sort of overlooked, uh, taken for granted, but is, um, but is uh, ephemeral, you know, like it's, it, it's actually very fragile and precarious. And, and um, and so the idea to to bring us together and chat about it, um, and try and and um, and try and highlight the significance and the necessi- the necessity of it and the opportunity is uh, I think is going to be something. Well, I hope will be fairly interesting, mm-hmm. you know, to uh, to people who would like to learn more. It's a, such a complex issue. Uh, feeding the world and uh, agriculture is 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 uh, very complex and sophisticated far beyond what most people could ever imagine and and um, there's a lot to it and 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 one of the you know reasons for us agreeing to do this and I, uh, I'm really excited about it is is to be able to take the time to sort of pull it apart and 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 explain it to people you know, it's not just one thing. It's not just one soundbite. It's there's a lot here to unpack, and I think, you know, with with better understanding, um, will will allow for for people to make better decisions, um, and for them to have better conversations, and hopefully to advocate for for people, people first, humanity first, and the importance of of um, liberating agriculture to feed, you know, the billions of people. And oh, the fairly interesting podcast. I, I love it. It's sort of understated. We're not promising too much, <laughs> which is good. You know, maybe it'll be interesting. Maybe it won't. And um, But, you know, there's... Uh, I think to piggyback off that, yeah. if, if nothing else comes from it, the we all reap the rewards of agriculture every day, and it's the... the Mm-hmm. It is the unsung hero, and so there's so many goodness stories that come from it, and they never see the light of day, it doesn't seem like. And so um, that's exciting for me, at least, is we're taking the time to shed light on things that we know to be good and true, um, but maybe we can teach others along mm-hmm. the way um, some of the things that we've picked up and really appreciate about the, the industry and how it does serve a purpose for the betterment of humanity. And so I think unpacking some of that is going to be a, a fun and slightly challenging, but uh, exciting task for us ahead. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In, in general, what, you know, when you say you want to talk about and shed some light upon agriculture uh, and, you know, the the goodness of it, you know, is, what specifically, you know, is the goal in a really, if you, if you had 30 seconds in an elevator and you're telling somebody you're starting a podcast, what, what are we going to be talking about for the listeners that hopefully made it this far and wondering if they, you know, should stick around? Do you want to tackle that? Or do you want me to say? Yeah, I think that that would be two things. One is um, the magnitude of the task ahead of us. 
You know, okay. we have 7.6 billion people today, and there's going to be, by 2050, there'll be somewhere around 9.6 billion. So 2 billion more people coming in our lifetime, certainly in your lifetime. And what are we going to do about it, right? So this is the ominous task before us now. And so it's challenging and daunting, but I, w I would like this podcast to shed great optimism, rational optimism, as Matt Ridley would put it. Because there is um, there is every reason to be optimistic about our ability to do this, and not only not only just do it, but do it like in terms of abundance. And that's one of the things we a new vernacular we'd like to introduce is abundance agriculture, to put a positive sort of um, confident um, spin on the the role of agriculture um, in the next you know in the next. Uh, let's say 20, 30 years. Because after you get to 2050, then the world population will probably start to flatten off and, and if trends continue, you know, projections are that, that um, by 2100, it'll be, it'll be peaked out and it'll be decreasing. So in some respects, the big, big pinnacle of the apex of the challenges in our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. And we need to rise to it, and, and, and we can. So, and for me, I think that's that's basically the primary goal. But uh, a, a secondary one would be um, if we can straighten out some of the misconceptions mm -hmm. and um, commonly talked about things um, that are, you know, um, for example, a lot of the environmental concerns and things along those lines that get a lot of attention, but maybe aren't talked about in um, exactly the right manner. I think if we could take some time to um, address some of the misconceptions and hopefully uh, give a different spin on it because there is incredible progress that has been made um, that's directly correlated to also um, environmental progress too along the way. And so I think that's a, a goal of this for me personally too would be to at least shed some light on the, the incredible progress of the last well, really 60 years has been a really big steep improvement in, um, in, in general agriculture. Yeah. yeah, not many people would know that, you know, in that same period of time, 60 years, we've increased, you know, yields of cereals and, and crops by four to five hundred percent, four or five X, sometimes six X. You know, we've we've doubled um, production of beef in the last like 30 years. We've doubled uh, milk production cattle in like the last 25 years and we're getting weaning 30 piglets per sow per year you know and 20 years ago if you could push out 80 10 a year you know you were doing good so and then chickens you know broilers we can grow them now in 34 days 36 days i mean versus what used to be my when i was a kid take 80 days so you know we're making such great strides in terms of productivity mm -hmm. and efficiency but people wouldn't know this you know well and they won't know it and I guess answer my own question, you know, for me that growing up around egg and 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 is a common conversation of my life growing up and, and still, you know, today. Um it's it's the easy punching bag um for people in the society and and it's the the you know, in many, many ways an unfair punching bag. It takes so much whether it's uh, environment or whether it's you know, health or it's uh, what you name it, you know, the, there's, it's always ag and predict uh, specifically animal agriculture. Um, and so one of the things that I think that we all want to do with this is, you know, we've sat around and, and you've always said, well, you've got to fight back. You've got to, you know, push back and tell the story. And, and, uh, and stories are so powerful. And right now, uh, abundance ag is, is not telling a good story. Um, mm -hmm. And so rather than saying, we got to start telling a good story, I think like this is, what, eight minutes into trying to figure out how to tell a good story about like, like legitimate ag, like production ag, uh, you know, not, not there's anything wrong with, you know, raising a few cattle on the back 40, but like that's not going to feed the world. And that's not what gets vilified. So bringing some, some positive to the, the production side of ag that actually feeds the world exactly right it's really well put and it's something that 
we've been hearing for a while is that this industry it's a it's a prideful bunch and it's a quiet bunch they like to you know just get to work and not really um talk about it too much but there's been people that have been reaching out wanting there to be more voices and so i'm one of those that would like there to be more voices i know max or one of those would like to be more voices in the industry and same with you jack and so i think it's that's another reason why we're doing this is because okay why not us then we Mm -hmm. should at least do our part to try to spread some good messages that Mm -hmm. we think are very true yeah no that's Mm -hmm. that's great yeah it's um i think that the ag industry is you know is and farmers in particular are like you said tommy they're they get her done type people Mm -hmm. you know they don't complain they just work harder dig deeper and um and shut up you know (laughs) and um they sort of have a disdain for winders and and um and uh and they sort of keep to themselves uh, you know and are fairly quiet but they and so this is not helpful in a world that needs you know a lot of communication in the u.s you know less than two percent of our populations involved in farming and so you know, people, the touch points of, of almost everyone with modern, intensive, abundance agriculture, farming techniques is zero. Mm-hmm. You know, they have no, no contact, no context. And so, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. And so when you have an empty space, that gets filled by narratives. And, and it so happens that a lot of the anti-abundance ag People, advocates in the world are great communicators. So, you know, there's a great mismatch. We have really hard-working people that produce, you know, so much of the food to to nourish humanity and uh, do it on a big scale and are super efficient and responsible and caring. And they just are terrible communicators. Then you have a bunch of people that are living in the basement, eating Doritos, you know, <laughs> six bags a day or whatever. And they're awesome communicators. And, um, and they're maybe winning the communication war. And this is uh, the, the war for, um, for, for, you know, ideas. Mm-hmm. As uh, Gad Sad, the professor in, in uh, Canada, wrote The Parasitic Mind, but... Um, you know, these par- mind parasites are dangerous. They can take hold. Mm-hmm. And um, Ideas and definitions. Ideas and definitions, yeah. And Richard Dawkins, you know, famously, he famously coined the phrase or the concept of memes. So we have these memes around modern intensive agriculture that are, to your point, Tommy, are dangerous. You what know? do you mean by memes? Memes are ideas that um, capture people's imagination and become instantiated in society yeah. not like an internet meme like a funny meme no okay. right right actually they well ca- it's probably named they, after right they that. named after it's a derivative of it right capture a sentiment yeah yeah that's right they capture a sentiment so but memes are in general are ideas that catch on that are that are sticky mm-hmm. yeah like Thanks. sticky ideas and one of them in agriculture is that big ag is bad um uh, corporate ag is bad unhealthy um use of chemistry in ag is bad and unhealthy the use of genetic engineering in ag is unnatural and unhealthy the use of Nitrogen and fertilizers, synthetics in agriculture is bad and unhealthy. These are all very sticky memes that are that are um, that are not only wrong but are dangerous. Well, they're they're dangerous because if you're, I mean, I think to mm-hmm. if I to not assume what you're thinking, but I I think I'm following with you that you know you might be asking, okay, if if the farmers are you know nose to the grindstone, why do they care what's being talked about it they don't want in the conversation anyway you know the, the danger is that that these these memes as you're saying or these narratives are what eventually shape policy yeah you know and right. when policy is when you know all of a sudden things i mean look at the dutch farm crisis you know mm-hmm. that's these memes put into policy and like 
now and then once that happens you know that's a whole different thing than than just talking and and wishing for certain things in agriculture is that fair to say like you're yeah okay and i think to kind of ask a question based off that how do these in your opinion how do these things get started is it does it stem from two percent of people only being tied to it so there's just the familiarity with how things have been done and how things are done is so um you know, there's um, degrees of removal now of generations that have passed without anyone being on, you know, growing up in that environment. Is that how these misconceptions and um, and narratives get lost? Is it because the lack of connection to it or what's your uh, what's your take on that? Wow, that we should, we should do a podcast on that because it's that's big. Mm-hmm. Um Big part of it is storytelling. Mm-hmm. There's a romanticization, a r- romantic aspect to um, the way Grandpa used to farm. You know, there's even like even today, there's um, e- there's uh, ag tourism in Africa. So, and what and what that tourism's big business. So, Europeans from Switzerland or wealthy Brits or or from Dutch or Germans. You go to Africa and then you go to somewhere like in the Congo or Ghana and then you get to photograph all the women carrying water on their heads, you know, walking 20 miles a day back and forth and and a hand, you know, catering to a crop, picking pests off or fruit or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's unbelievable uh, the power of this. I mean, you know, those poor people you know, stuck with such a miserable uh, way of producing food, so onerous and and um, and fatiguing, you know, and numbing, physically, mm-hmm. mentally numbing. And um, so, but, but and even in even in America and in the modern world, there, there's a romanticization of of the old way of farming. So that's part of it, and then. And so those stories are powerful. The other part of it is, I think, the nature of, as we mentioned, with um, farmers that are involved in in really high-consequence, significant farming. They're highly conscientious in their nature, but probably low in open openness. So they're more introverted than extroverted. Mm-hmm. And so they, you know, they... And maybe they're, um, I also think part of their character in general is um, averse to confrontation. They, they don't want to have a, an argument. They just want to get on and do what they want. Mm-hmm. But not, you know, not get into a verbal or or any sort of an argument about what they're doing. Yeah. And so I think those things, and then and then the people that that are pushing against the use of, Technology and 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 um, and techniques in modern agriculture are highly motivated by a, a deep meaning they're getting from this belief system they have and of virtuous um, saving people from themselves. You know, mm-hmm. it's mixed in with a, a um, it's it's a seven-headed hydra. You know, it's mixed in with a worship of nature. Um, a belief that the environment is pure and 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 man man is um, a despoiler of nature somehow outside of nature that man introduces um, harm mm-hmm. you know to nature a bit that's perplexing too is that um, <clears throat> agriculture is liberating and it frees up people's time (laughs) and with that time that people now have because of how efficient agriculture is they've decided uh, a certain proportion of them have decided to demonize the thing that gave them that time to Mm -hmm. to think like that so it's it's confusing and i wonder if it is from the stems from the disconnect of less and less people being tied to it or not but um it's a it's a little bit confound or it's a it's an interesting thing that's happening and has been happening well and it's the uh the ones that are the most vocal about the, uh, you know, the, the, whatever we'll use GMOs as the, you know, the, the issue of the day, but, you know, replace that with whatever the complaint or the, you know, thing they're going to point out and say is, um, dangerous and unhealthy and, 
uh, a danger to the environment. Um, those people that are throwing these these uh, accusations and concerns up are the probably the least likely to actually suffer from uh, again to go back to policy saying that okay we're going to ban the use of these technologies. They're not going to be harmed by it. They're always going to they're you know, it's not the poor of the world that are complaining about GMOs. You know it's the those that can afford food even if it goes up in price um, that are the ones pushing against it. And uh, meanwhile, the ones that need it the very, very most are going to be uh, robbed of that technology, safe technology, and um, suffer the consequences. You know, it's, without it's exactly, it's with, exactly right. So and, I, I th yeah, I, th I, th I really think that. And to your point, they, there's uh, some sort of meaning, um, and and you know, I think that many of them r truly believe that they're doing good. You know, they're not. Uh, this probably doesn't go for it. Nothing goes for everybody. Many of them don't see it as that they're bringing harm to the poor of the world. You know, they see it that they're really protecting nature or, you know, uh, removing harmful toxins and franken foods from the food supply, um, which is all just, you know, slanderous terms and buzzwords. But uh, at the end of the day, it's not them that's going to get harm from, from those statements. That's it. A lack of appreciation for um, trade-offs. Correct. You know, it's it's great in concept if you can have all of these things happen, but the the thing that you're giving up in order to move, you know, that ideal uh, to the top is, it, as we're seeing, can be disastrous and dangerous. And um, yeah, I think that mm -hmm. can be a, a part that's missed. And even if they yeah. have good intentions, it's um, it's looking, you know, it's getting tunnel vision on it almost. Yeah, it's not taking the holistic approach, how everything plays together and, um, and viewing it through that lens, it's, uh, it's looking at it. Okay. We want to remove nitrogen from the atmosphere or pollution in the waters. And, um, if that's the only focus, you'll do anything you can to reduce that number. The consequences sometimes can be, um, left unthought of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to, it also is to say that, you know, there's nothing wrong. I don't have a personal grievance with somebody that wants, you know, a, a whatever, a exclusively organic grass-fed beef, you know, we can go down the list of the terms, um, but it's when they begin to um, say that you can't do anything but that, you know, that's where that becomes tricky. You know, it's fine if that's how you, for whatever reason, want to, to eat your food, but when you start telling me that I can't or we can't eat the food um, or produce the food, in any other manner, that's where it's, you know, it's, that's not so much fun and games anymore. Yeah, well, that's your earlier point, Jack. It can end up in policy. Mm -hmm. That's where it's really dangerous because, and you think it can't. You're like, well, what the hell? That'll never happen. Like, no way. But then, like you mentioned, Tommy, the Dutch farming crisis at the moment. And, like, it's like it's real. It happens uh, step by step. You know, they implement this policy even if it's against the majority of the public you know assuming the public's even informed but but mostly they're not on these issues uh, ag agriculture is just too complex and too foreign for them but um but even if they are uh, and so now they instantiated in their law the new economic or or um law of the uh, the country in the netherlands they're going to reduce nitrogen in the EU, they're going to introduce a policy. I think it's called farm to fork. But um, they're, by their own data, their own analysis, they're going to do this by the year 2030 to reduce carbon footprint, you know, in uh, in, in in Europe. But it's so myopic, you know, this war on this war on CO2. You know, what the hell? CO2 is the gas of life. But they're they, this meme they've been able to instantiate is to turn. The gas of life, the gas that gives us life, that, uh, you know, gives all plants life see, with photosynthesis and, and, um, and the growth of plants, which is the base energy currency for everything on the, on the planet. And they've turned that into being a toxic gas. So we shouldn't underestimate the power of, of um, well, to be generous, unintended consequences. And to be less generous to say underestimate the power of 
malevolent, you know, um, Trojan horses that can be used to dismantle a way of life and in a in a in a, a system um, based on free market capitalism and human ingenuity that's lifted, you know, humanity out of a Hobbesian nightmare. Um, at worst, it's unintended, or at yeah. best, it's unintended consequences. At worst, it's intended yeah. consequences. Right, yeah. right, and and. Um, so back to the EU, you know, by 2030, they're going to convert 30% of their farmland and the whole EU, they're committed to this, um, into what they call agroecological farming methods, which just means uh, low-yield farming, <laughs> you know, pull out all the technology. And by their own analysis, they're going to produce like 36% less food. I mean... This is insanity. So now, where are they going to get their food from? Well, in Europe, they don't allow uh, GMOs or gene editing, even though their scientific community um, agrees it's completely safe. Politically, they, they won't allow it. And so they would like to import all of their food, their agroecological organic food, from the nearest continent to them, which happens to be across the Mediterranean called Africa. So it's a very naughty, you know, very pernicious that they would like to keep Africa dark, in the dark, um, in terms of farming techniques so that they can, um, with all their wealth, they can import their, their organic food deficit by their own policy and hands. They can, they can import it from Africa and condemn them to, to, you know, hunger and misery and starvation. Except for they would never use those terms. No. It's the other... Right, right, If you've right. paid attention to this at all, you also realize the the power of words. Yeah. You know, the term they're using is, yeah, oh, so it might produce outputs by 30% in the near term, but in the long term, we'll balance out our, you know, our uh, environmental concerns. But in the short term, we might experience... Uh, Food insecurity, you know, is the term they're using. Yeah. And in right, in yeah. the real world, that means mass starvation, not in Europe, but mm -hmm. across the the, the strait in, yeah. in in Africa, like you just said. And, and I think that's really important to distinguish that when you hear the term terms like that, food insecurity, like what that's putting it a little lightly. When it you should say. scare the hell out of you when you hear that. Correct. And. Your Trojan horse comment, it's being ushered in with their country or uh, EU can save 40% on greenhouse gases, something yes, like that. So positive. They're, they're outsourcing that to other countries too. And um, it's a, uh, yeah. It's well, it's, yeah, it's very naughty, the whole thing. And, and, um, but it's wrapped up with such great marketing. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, a carrot and a stick, you know. The carrot is we're going to usher in a utopian um, environmental um, heaven, and the stick is, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to tax you and we're going to, um, and we're going to force you uh, into this utopia, which is, you know, tremendous hubris. Mm -hmm. um, the arrogance underneath all of this is just staggering, and. Um, and it's all top down too, you know. It's like a, a planned committee, scientific, environmental panel is going to force it on people. And and wherever we've seen this played out in the world, you know, we should learn from history. In mm -hmm. um, the 20th century was the bloodiest history in in the in the world's history. You know, we lost a hundred million people to such um, promises of a utopian mm -hmm. future that Marx kicked off and Stalin and Mao and Pol Pot and they implemented it and Kim Jong-il is today still implementing it and is in Venezuela and so you know the promise of utopia has been um, has been nothing but a road to a road to hell and um, and misery and to your point Jack the poor of the world they have no shock absorber mm -hmm. to such um, folly and hubris, you know. If the cost of food or food security, food availability goes up, they can't buy anymore. 
they're stuck. And and they're the ones that will die, you know, by the millions. The UN now, we're you know, the world's facing a, a particular uh, crisis that's sort of on everyone's TV and, and cell phone with the Ukraine war. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, this is really a catalyst to, um, to something that's been building for the last couple of years. But, um, you know, the, now the UN and the FAO, they're predicting, you know, more than half a million people, maybe up to 800 million or a billion people. I mean, there's variations in, in their predictions of how many are going to be, you know, starving, famine, because of these crazy energy environmental problems and, um, and being, and being um, crushed together with uh, the Ukraine-Russian war, mm-hmm. which is you know, is it going to acutely affect the world's fertilizer and energy prices? But, but make no mistake, the, the table was set, you know, is being set um, prior to the Ukraine-Russia war. And um, it's just becoming mm-hmm. extremely acute now. Yep. And it's um, back to your comment on striving for this utopia. I think that's mm-hmm. something that Again, sounds great. Have that, and I, I think hopefully part of what this podcast can um, start to address is that having abundance ag and human prioritized um, focuses that ultimately leads to the realist sense of what a utopia can be, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and I think that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Yeah, just so we uh, we know what we mean when we're saying you know abundance ag, but to name it specifically, what do we what do we mean when we're talking about high uh, high yield? You know, use the term low yield agriculture. Or, um, what's what's the opposite if we're advocating for something? How, what what is abundance ag? You know, in specific terms, so that people that you know we want people that aren't in ag. That's the other piece. People in ag only talk to people in ag, so it never word never gets out. So yeah. part of our goal is to talk to people that aren't in ag. So. Mm-hmm. It might seem really basic to you guys, but what what are these specific um, technologies or strategies or uh, structures in this industry that that lead to abundance ag? Well, I think simply um, you kind of answered a portion of it there. It's the embracing of the available technologies um, that like lead what? to. Um, like- so if we're talking on the the beef or uh, livestock side, mm-hmm. there's. Um, you know, there are growth promoting technologies that are completely safe and um, may help the animal grow faster and more efficient and grow, um, you know, larger. And uh, with all of those things comes less environmental footprint and more food for the world. Mm-hmm. And so um, embracing things that make systems more efficient overall um, leads to more abundance and at the same time, lifts up the um the environmental baseline for what uh, or the footprint is uh, is improved because of that so that would be one simple ish example would be that you know we want to grow animals more efficiently using the available technologies that are proven time and time again to be um safe and um you know and efficient or efficacious sure so technology such as you talk about hormone implants, growth promotants, is that yep. the, so, in um, layman terms? Yeah, yeah. So hormone implant uh, would be one. Um, another one would be the use of these ionophores, which modify bacteria to make it more, um, you know, uh, it, they have digest the nutrients more efficiently, capture more energy from the diet and allow for better growth. Another one would be beta, um, beta agonists, beta adrenergic agonists. And so those, they would... Uh, promote lean deposition in place of fat and so there's more tissue being laid down and that also leads to um, more efficient growth and a larger carcass at the end of the day and so that would be a a couple this is obviously your uh, we could go into many of the podcasts will be more specific on topics such as this i predict and if you're listening and wondering why he knows you know speaking in these in a specific terms um you might have mentioned in passing but you you're PhD in uh, ruminant nutrition. So mm-hmm. this is, you know, on a very, very scientific level and objective level, you have uh, an exceeding competence in this area. So I think to back up and f- push back against some of these um, things that when the public just hears growth promotants, 
but they don't actually understand it um, to have the chance to to break it out because it is a big conversation. So on the animal side, that that's a, okay. So we might hear topics like that going forward. How about on the, uh, and that's a good segue, I guess, into kind of where your expertise is. And then dad over there, you know, your background in international egg and kind of what we've talked about thus far and big picture feeding the world. But in, in specific terms to, um, as we talk about those feeding the world and, and uh, abundance egg, how does, what are some topics that come to mind that you think we would likely tackle in this, this uh, podcast? I think top of the list would be because of the biggest bang for the buck is gene editing okay. or genetic engineering. Um, you know, people have heard GMO, genetically modified organisms, which is a, which is a very bad terminology because everything's a GMO actually, like it's not useful language. But so genetic engineering um, is 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 much uh, more precise, and that that's um, and then there's modern breeding techniques is another term. Because we've been we've been tinkering. We're the greatest tinkerers that ever you know that ever um, inhabited this planet. Humans, you know, we are the greatest adapters of our environment, and um, and so we've been tinkering with plants and animals ever since we've you know ever since we um, um, could get our hand, literally our hands on them, and um, and uh, so I think the the. Genetic engineering is somewhere we should explore because there's, within any population, doesn't matter whether it's in a plant or with insects or with um, or, or with animals, um, the 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 variation across a population is huge, and this is this is just like magnificent for for scientists that are working in this area and magnificent for farmers because. Because with such huge variation, you have your mean, your average performance or average yield of crops, like rice, as example, in Thailand, it might be a good example. But there is some, there will be some rice cultivars that will do two or three times as much in terms of growth and disease resistance than the average. It's the same in corn and in wheat. It's the same in cattle and in and, and chickens. And so we have this... And, and genetic engineering with the new techniques like we're using with CRISPR, mm-hmm. which would be fun to talk about, mm-hmm. but that's, um, you know, that's gene editing within a species, it means we can reach way over here on the right side of this distribution curve and pick out those outliers that are just, just waiting to be picked. <laughs> you know, that is the lowest fruit of the lowest fruit. And then we plug, and, plug them into their, co- into their cohorts, their brothers and sisters, and boom, you know, we got 30% increase right, right now in, in, in yield and growth or in disease resistance. And so this is the greatest opportunity, actually, um, to allow us to get more from less. Like there's a great book by Andrew McAfee. Hopefully we'll talk about different books in our podcast. But the, the theme of that is more for less, which is really – is a hallmark of human ingenuity. You know, we're always um, developing, tinkering, and the end result is we can get more out of less, mm-hmm. which is a wondrous, um, like, phenomenon. Another area would be in our use of uh, chemistry. You know, our, our understanding of uh, manipulating chemistry and creating compounds that can, that, that can help prevent disease and uh, with less, you know, we're using micro, micro amounts of, of uh, as example, insecticides and pesticides. And, and, we can, and we can fine-tune with what they call precision ag. Mm-hmm. Very, very uh, exciting area. Using AI, um, you know, computer intelligence, um, using drones, using all sorts of technology. And I think abundance agriculture to me means... Like anything we can get our hands on, and um, um, to to use safely, um, with a commitment to 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 you know the animals and the environment that 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 they will also benefit. 
um, is that should be you know liberated and fostered and encouraged for farmers of the world to adopt. Mm-hmm. And um, the end result of that is will be human flourishing. You know, yeah, and that's what we want. We want humans. Uh, before we even sat down, we, you know, I like that we we chatted about what would be the central tenet, and our central tenet would be human centric. You know, that 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 um, what we can advocate for would be a human flourishing viewpoint, um, and agriculture, you know, literally, excuse the pun, feeds right into that. Yeah, yeah. I think that uh. This is the first episode, so we got to come up with episode ideas. So we're kind of brainstorming here. But I think mm-hmm. something that would be cool is, um, you know, I'm not. I work with Better Fed Beef. We all do. That's our you know, family business, and and a family business through and through, all the way to the the the, the families raising the cattle. Um, but uh, one thing that you know I find kind of being an outsider to ag in some respect is this, the way that ideas and words and you know and phrases catch on and and um and the fact that people don't have the interest or capacity to look beyond just the words so i think a a cool episode would be to or even portion of episode would be to tackle some of these buzzwords that are out there like factory farms you know and unpack that and explain that okay yeah so this definition uh whatever this definition is of a factory farm, the reality is it's a family that has successfully reinvested in their farm for five generations and now is operating on a large scale and they're incorporated like every other family business. And, and uh, beyond that, you know, that's one that comes to mind. But, um, you know, unpacking like uh, in beef, you know, you hear so much, at least we do, you know, about grass-fed, grass-finished, um, but there's no real definition around that, and there's no real agreement on what constitutes that. Or, I would argue, you know, many of the people wanting it or asking about it don't quite even know what they're asking for or why they're asking for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this idea, this this phrase that's caught on like a wildfire, um, and ultimately they're telling good stories in these areas. And and I'd like to see if we can tell a little bit better story. Yeah. It would be a great podcast idea because I think a lot of people, everyone, you know, they've heard the terms factory farming or mm-hmm. grass fed. And if they don't know anything about it, they still know the connotation that's applied, implied with it. Yes. And that's the, that's jumping to, they're winning the definition game. Yes. And, um, and that's why definitions in general are uh, not something to be toyed with. And if we want to control the perception of how, this industry or the um, egg community in general operates. It's um, it's changing that narrative mm-hmm. a little bit, and so unpacking why factory farming, um, you know, almost universally that sounds negative. Mm-hmm. Um, but the outcomes of factory farming, you know, I don't think that's something we need. To, we we don't want to shy away from it. We'd mm-hmm. maybe like to refer to it as something else. But the the intentions of factory farming are pure, mm-hmm. um, and and quite advanced and lead to the, uh, well, the abundance. Egg. Yeah. And so I think that's, um, it's a really, uh, that is something we definitely need to, to tackle. And, and, and maybe you want to jump in on this too, but another topic kind of similar would be, um, an example is that the, the definition of milk has, is kind of lost. Um, that's already one that the industry has chalked up as that's gone kind of sideways. There's a, you know, almond milk and all these different types of milk, you know, they're get They get to call them milk, but, that one's kind of the yeah. page is turned and so meat is the next one on the on the table and so <laughs> learning from history like you had mentioned that's a pretty important lesson and that's pretty recent history was the milk battle and now it's uh, the meat one and i think that could be kind of fun too because you think meat is so simple and uh, everyone knows what meat is turns out it's pretty damn complex when it gets down to it if uh, if we let this get too far away correct it's only a couple generate a generation maybe before the the mind share is shifted you know and, and what's once accepted is obviously you know this isn't meat it's made of whatever the hell not meat meat is made of you know <laughs> the fact that almonds what, what's the uh, uh like the fact that that's become just accepted in Silk. the in the yeah in the, in the milk department mm-hmm. or the dairy department of mm-hmm. your groceries yeah smart marketing by yeah. the almond guys no, yeah, yeah. 
you didn't know that you could milk an almond until a couple of years ago. <laughs> How many tits on an, on an almond? Is that the uh, meet the parents? Show me the tits on an almond, Greg. Uh, so, yeah, they were, exactly. uh, they were tapping into it. But. Yeah, yeah, well, you can lose, like, you lose the language, you, you, lose, the, you lose the communication, you lose the battle. So language, just, language matters, you know, it's the same with organic, you know, it got to be this virtuous thing. And, and by inference, they were able to say, well, anything, you know, that's not organic is bad, mm-hmm. but it's a, it's a robbery, you know, they pulled off a heist of the language because there is no food that's inorganic. All food is organic. Uh-huh. Every form of life that contains carbon which all life forms do, is by definition organic. Mm-hmm. But they, uh, very clever, they, they stole the language and, and manipulated it, you know, and same factory farming, it's, it evokes such negatives, you know, harsh, cold, maybe, you know, clinical, um, non-caring, and, mm-hmm. um, and nothing could be further from the truth. You know, the farms of consequence, the, the farms that are producing abundant food, you know, I would contend they can, they care as much, if not more, for their animals. They're the most successful, to your point, Jack. They've been at it four, five, six generations. Even just um, by the evolutionary pressure, they've been able to survive because they are better and better and better than the average. Because mm-hmm. the average doesn't win. The average goes away over time. So they're, they represent the best of the best. And it's competitive out there. They care for their animals. They care for their environment. They care for their employees. They care. I mean, not all do. Some are. I mean, some are obviously um, are are obviously, you know, not up to it. And and it's the um, same as anything, though. Right? Same in anything else. Yeah. yeah. But in general, they're they're remarkable yeah. in their um, in their uh, approach in their professionalism and. And you're right. If they don't check every one of those boxes, they're not going to stick around. Right. And, uh, that, you know, some of those boxes are economic driven, but that stems mm. from animals need to be treated well, and the people that are handling the animals need to be treated well. And so it's mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. like it's made out to be. Um, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting thing. Anyways, that I'm sure we're going to get into more. But yeah, yeah, yeah so, and, rec- and reclaim the language around it would be would be important. You know. Yeah, yeah. This whole concept or idea of or reality that people have short attention spans, and how do we, how do we, yeah. These sound bites are so captivating, and if you're not going to look into it any further, you know, it's understandable that uh, the average person that has no further knowledge of these farms of consequence, when they hear the term factory farm, you know, why wouldn't in their mind, what? Why wouldn't they think of that as something bad? You know, if 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 that's all they're going to think about it. Um, so, and, and I think the challenge for us is that the the solutions are never, the real answers are never actually that simple. And so, while they're getting away with this, you know, not real nuanced, complex understanding or uh, description of what's happening, the the challenge then is to how do you convey the reality that isn't simple. Um, and doesn't have those pleasant utopian, you know, sunny grass fields and smiling cows um, kind of idea behind it. How do you how do you convey that in a way that's interesting and convincing? And I and we're gonna try to tackle it, and it's gonna be a challenge, but we'll do our best. It's so easy. You can say organic farming is better for the environment and be done with it. Yeah. Um, to refute it, you need to take hours. Correct. It's that's why the game is so hard to play. And exactly, so, and data isn't even. You could have all the data in the world, which I, maybe we'll get into that later, if for those that early do. But it doesn't matter in the end if it's if it's data versus you know a, a feeling or an emotion, um, unless you really really are going to dig in and understand the data, which is a challenge in its own right. You know, in these areas where people aren't. Like if I were to look at, well, I, I did. Tommy used to give me some of his PhD like course <laughs> materials just kind of for fun. And, and I had zero clue what's going on in there. 
Um, and so there's a, a barrier there too that to really understand it, you also have to really understand so many things prior to understanding the actual issue that's being debated. And naturally people that like data, you can never have enough. It's never done. And so no. that's also part of it too, is diving into it. It can take so long to accumulate what you think is, you know, the, the final stamp and it still might not be settled, but it just takes more effort to, to, um, unpack these really quick headlines that grab people's attention. And, um, well, the power of the negative is a real phenomenon. You know, the old, the old, um, um, parable of the, you know, bowl of cockroaches and a cherry. You can. You I don't can, know this one. Yeah, you can take a bowl of cherries, strawberries, and you introduce oh. a cockroach to it, and no one will eat any strawberries out of that whole bowl or cherries. Right? They're done. But the converse is, if you take a bowl of cockroaches and introduce one nice strawberry to it. You know, it's still revolting. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're over-revolted. The power of the negative is so strong compared to the positive. Mm. And, um, and so all of these memes, you know, play on that. Um, people's natural fear, you know, we're programmed to be, um, you know, you hear the rustling in the grass, you should think lion, not rabbit. Mm -hmm. And they prey on this psychologically, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, and so the, the the challenge for to try and tell a bigger story, uh, a more more nuanced story against the, the the fear mongering. I mean, Jack, before you mentioned like Frankenstein food and the negative the negative marketing is very powerful. That's the point. Push back against it. We should take some encouragement from Joe Rogan. You know, he talks complex things for three hours, and uh, granted, he has very interesting subject matter not just fairly interesting but there is a i mean i think we should have hope there's more and more people out there that want to be they want to understand more and and so we have to try and um and 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 in all humbleness reach people that do want to know more and we need to tell better stories is the antidote um and i think the best story to be told should at the heart of it should be around human flourishing our greatest responsibility on 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 this planet is to each other to people and and if we can look after people first and the most fundamental of things that people need is food affordable food you know mm -hmm. if we can if we can look after people in terms of affordable nutritious safe food then so many good things will flow after that. And the, the next part of the story is, oh, by the way, we can also um, look after the environment at the same time. Oh, and at the same time, we can turn back millions and millions of acres of land to nature and recreation. Oh, and at the same time, we can clean up all the waters and the lakes Oh, and at the same time, we can re-green the earth, reforest the earth, mm -hmm. you know, the deserts even. And lift people out of poverty. And we can lift them out of poverty and have people's, you know, health and, and life expectancy and, and, and ability to flourish. It's all within our grasp, you know, but the bedrock of it is, is, uh, is farming, you know, and producing abundant food at affordable prices and and if we can tell that story um, that's something that people can maybe grab onto and, and help advocate for you know sounds like a utopia yeah <laughs> it does uh, maybe I one thing I'm, I'm again this is our first episode we don't have a framework but one thing I think could be kind of nice uh, is to there's a lot of challenges we're talking about here, but I, 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 even if they're small things, you know, what are some areas that you see some some positive moving in the right direction? You know, in simple ways, and I, I'll answer the question first. Um, you know, one way that I am seeing, you know, for all the, the, the issues that on social media, especially in this, whether it's the vegan community or the 
anti all the things we're talking about. I'm starting to see more and more um, farm families or farmers developing followings on social media using that tool um, to showcase a really unfiltered and honest look at what goes on on these farms. Um, you know, there's there's many of them out there now that have you know tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of followers, and I think that's a you know that's a, that's moving in the right direction, and I and more people doing that um, would be a really great thing. Uh, it doesn't really tackle any of these policy or these um, scientific questions, but I think it starts to expose people to the other perspective um, and get a glimpse behind the curtain into these farms. It shows there's. It's a great example. It shows there is a desire, at least for some people out there, to. You know, everyone's more conscientious about where the food comes from today. And Mm -hmm. these people are opening their door and giving that glimpse in. And I think the authentic, true um, insight is it's being valued. That's why their followings grow. I've seen some of these guys, too. It's it's pretty cool what they do. And it's it's raw. It's a little bit uncut and it's very real. And it's um, it's definitely a a positive and um, probably ties in with now that we can actually get product that two people directly too. And so there's new, uh, new marketing that's coming with that. And, um, if people do want to source their food directly from a place of their liking, that's more and more likely to happen now mm-hmm. too, and more approachable to happen. How about on the, that's my marketing slash non egg answer. How about on the, the, in some of your areas to the degree that we have areas, where do you see, there's gotta be some positive, um, mm-hmm. you know, that yeah, it's occurring like amongst all last the week, I think Kenya, Okay. Um, the Kenyan government um, agreed to uh, allow GMOs, gene-edited um, crops, to be grown in Kenya. This is huge. There we go. Yeah, because we need, you know, we need, Africa's made of, I think, 54 nations, and, um, and the people there are, are desperate, the farmers there are desperate for technology to help them, you know, because they're the most fragile in the world, too. I mean, they got to fight bloody locust plagues, and they got to fight, you know, wheat rust and stem rust, and they got they got every plague and pestilence that's, you know, and it's dry there, you know, mm-hmm. and um, so it's tough, tough part of the world. One point two billion people there, you know, soon to double, and um, and in in maybe like an eighty years time. Like, did you know Nigeria will be the third largest? country populated country in the world here like in the next 30 years only because you told me yeah yeah well <laughs> india is number one china's number two thanks to their one child policy which is which is gonna eat them right in the ass pretty soon <laughs> and then Niger- <laughs> nigeria's nigeria will be number three most populated in the world like it's hard to believe eight out of ten um Newborn, new people to be born into the world will be in Africa or in Asia. So this is where it's all going to happen. So Kenya, yeah. you know, making the decision to to push back against the environmental NGO political lobbies and and go for it. Another bright spot is China. You mm. know, like for all China's um, failings and and horrors. One thing is they're desperate to keep food security. They learn from Mao. You know, if they're going to keep hold of this thing, they got to feed people. Mm-hmm. And that's why China's buying up, you know, millions of acres in Africa, Sudan and all over the place, even buying land in Australia and New Zealand and in, in the U.S. too, food security. Um, they leased, you know, I don't know how many, I don't know, let's just say a million acres in Eastern Europe too, so... China's dead serious, but what I wanted to say is China is in a race with the U.S. on CRISPR technology. They have the second most patents, but it's like neck and neck. And they have the first, they, they, are the, they own the most patents for food-related CRISPR um, technology. So they're, they're all getting all in on um, genetic engineering for their food. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is also really powerful because a lot of the nations of the world... Or will look to them and follow, you know, as well. Um, as, and so that's very positive, I, I think, as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. One, um, one 
kind of localized example of yeah. uh, some progress is that you can drive around the U.S. and it's uh, mm. in a pretty severe drought, but yeah, crops are still growing, and um, you know there's some reports that they may be less than last year or things like that, but um, it's not that long ago where a drought like this would have resulted in you know no crops for a lot of these yeah. places, and so seeing the, the progress on these uh, drought tolerant um, genetically engineered crops, um, selective breeding crops and things like that. It's uh, that's a pretty real example that you can just step outside and go for a drive and see. It's a great one. That's our good friend, uh, Mr. Seth Tusher. He's, I've heard him, he's an agronomist in Schmitty. South Dakota. And, uh, you know, I've heard him as we all have talk about this, you know, the customers and uh, peers of his that have been farming that land for, you know, their grandparents and, and saying that, you know, this, this number, this amount of rain that we're having, and we're having pretty good harvests, there wouldn't be anything to harvest, you know, in their mm-hmm. lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, and they had harvests like that. Um, and so that's a really, like, a, in, in one generation, you know, the, the change that's been ushered through. So that's, yeah, that's, a, incredible. that's a, a massive positive, mm-hmm. you know. Then golden rice was just approved in the Philippines after about 20 years. This is uh, bio-fortified rice where they've added beta-carotene, you know, which plagues like 250 million children in, in the developing world are, um, suffer from blindness. Um, and I don't know how many of them die, but there's a huge percentage of mortality from vitamin A deficiency. And um, so that, but it's a tremendous success that it finally got approved. They can insert a beta carotene gene into rice, which is white. Of course, white rice is white. Um, and um, now it's golden, it's mm-hmm. yellow, it gets the carotene like from carrots. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a pigment um, and a precursor to vitamin A. So now, with every meal of rice, um, they can get some vitamin A nutrition and prevent blindness, you know. And rice is the staple food. And so now, you know, this is something that the poor of the world, you know, can directly um, uh, benefit from. And it's, a, you know, it's a proof of concept. And to finally get it through, Greenpeace has been fighting against it for 20 years. They've, they, have the, they have the death of, you know, hundreds of thousands of children on their hands from their unconscionable um, lobbying to, to, they should have stuck to saving whales, you know, but mm-hmm. they got bored with whales apparently, <laughs> and then they decided to, to, um, <laughs> they decided to make their life's mission to um, stop golden rice, to stop golden rice, and <laughs> and the advance things. of yeah, the advance of humanity. You know, they've mm-hmm. become an anti-human organization, and I'm a great fan of one of the founders, Patrick Moore. He's a tremendous scientist and individual who left there because of the, of this obscene um, hijacking of their mission you know mm-hmm. so but anyway the positive is the Philippines approved it and, and many others will follow Bangladesh um, last year approved the right. use of GMO for um, for one of their food staple crops too so there's some, there's some bright spots for sure Beautiful. Mm-hmm. that's great it could be kind of a fun thing to do each podcast is to is to highlight um you know a new positive thing that's going on yeah, um, right. you know mm-hmm. in general that's what we're kind of setting out to do anyways but um, yeah. come with specific examples of uh like you said one of your examples was earlier this week and so if we're doing this on a you know there might be new things that come up between each podcast that we could highlight that yeah. might be a cool thing to do and uh, i think also you know if you're listening if you have um if you have positive things or if you have topics that you know as this goes on and hopefully somebody listens um let us know also what we you know we have things we want to talk about um but of course there's other things out there that maybe we hadn't considered or are more likely to get to the top of the list if we hear people you know on us to tackle i don't know playing rugby for marist or <laughs> something like that i don't know uh I don't know how you're going to get a hold of us. We should have made an email, something, but that's your, on your in, human ingenuity. Find a way to get a hold of us and uh, give us your questions. They'll track us down. Yeah. They'll yeah. track you boys down. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks, fellas. Just, yeah. 
any number one down. Fun. Looking forward to yeah, looking super forward fun. to to chatting more and kicking this thing around. You know, it's like got to do something that's um, that, that that maybe can make a difference. You know, like even a small mm-hmm. small, but um, but it's worth it's worth worth trying. So absolutely, thanks. That's Thank a, you. Good yep. on you. Cue Good the work, exit guys. music. Thanks.